Welcome to the Opinionated Optimist Podcast, the podcast that reviews anything that's worth reviewing. Hi everyone, welcome to the Opinionated Optimist Podcast. I'm your host, Brian. This past weekend, I checked out Universal Studio Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights 30. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what Halloween Horror Nights is, it's Universal Studios' annual Halloween event, which is, at least for Orlando, considered one of the world's most premier Halloween events. This year's event featured 10 haunted houses, 5 scare zones, and 2 shows. The event began all the way back in 1991 when Universal Studios Orlando was first created. They were having a lot of trouble getting attendance, so they decided to do a seasonal Halloween haunted event to attract more visitors. Originally, the event was called Fright Night. Uh, It was later, in 1992, the next year, revamped and called Halloween Horror Nights. I don't know if that was more of a marketing gimmick or if it was too similar to the horror movie Fright Nights, so there may have been legal applications that required them to change the name. So... Last Friday, I headed down to Orlando to check out Halloween Horror Nights 30, Never Go Alone. I checked into the Cabana Bay Beach Resort about 1 p.m. Line was already pretty busy. I got in line to check in, and I immediately noticed that the Swizzle Lounge, the bar in the lobby, has been revamped to what's being called the Halloween Horror Icons Bar. Uh, You'll notice in the lobby there's several banners that are red and white that feature the... uh, Icons, likeness, so that's Chance, the director, the storyteller, the caretaker, and more importantly, the usher and Jack. Uh, These banners are also behind the bar themselves. And in front of the bar, they actually have a wardrobe that features costumes from the director, the storyteller, and the caretaker. This bar also has several drinks that are themed after three of the icons. Looking at the menu now, here are the three icon drinks. First, you have the Jacked Up. Uh, It features Jack Daniels whiskey and Coke with lime. Next, you have the Chance. Uh, It's Bacardi Superior Rum, Aperol, Orange Bitters, and Soda with Cream. The final drink is called the Director, and it has Kettle One Vodka, Kalula, Amaretto, and Cream. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to uh, try any of these drinks because this bar was very busy. And besides, I was more interested in doing the... uh, experience upstairs called the jacked up experience now for those of you that are interested in also doing the jacked up experience it's held at cabana bay upstairs by the arcade it runs every day from 2 p.m to 10 p.m and most important thing is you need to be staying on an on-site universal orlando uh, resort because they will ask you for your key so like i said the uh, event starts at 2 p.m i got in line about 201 202 there was like two or three parties ahead of me that went before me the whole event takes about 10 minutes because it's like three little small rooms that you go through so i waited about 10 minutes and then finally let me and a few other people as in in as a group uh the first room you go into it's themed as a carnival you have barrels you have all carny like pictures on the wall uh but more importantly there's a huge blender in the room and for those of you that have seen the carnival carnage you know sometimes jack puts people in a blender so you get to go behind the blender this time you push a button and it causes blue and green lights to go off and a lot of smoke to spill out 
So while you're doing that, playing like you're in the blender, the lieutenant there is taking your picture where you can do a lot of cool selfies and all. The next room, it's a room of mirrors, and it reminds me of the finale of Nightmare on Elm Street 3 where you have the wall of Freddy's. Uh, there's a button you push, and one of the mirrors shows Jack's face on it, so it's very similar. The final room, you walk in, you notice the, the, the big saw is spinning on the wall with Jack's face. And there's a bunch of TVs that the attendant plays, and it's a video from Jack welcoming you and making you one of his minions. <clears throat> Finally, in the room, in the back corner, there's a lifelike statue of Jack that you get to take a selfie or have the attendant take your picture with. So the whole experience I said is like about 10 minutes, but it's cool. You get to take a lot of selfies and interact with things. Um, so if you're in Cabana Bay and you've got the time, I recommend you give it a, a, a try. It was worth it. Then about 5 p.m., I headed towards the bus to head out to Universal Studios for the event. The event starts at 6 p.m., but I had RIP tour tickets. And at 5.30, they let RIP tour tickets in through the VIP opening area. There, they uh, scan your credentials and let you in. Important uh, note, always bring your printed out confirmation of your package. Because when I was in there, <clears throat> the gentleman tried to say like I didn't have an event ticket. Just I was just booked for the tour, which wasn't true. I produced the paperwork and showed him I had bought the RIP tour and had the event ticket as well. So thankfully that I had that paperwork, they did the research and found out whoever booked it kind of buried the event ticket somewhere deep into the reservation. So I had to wait, but they fixed it. it. Took about 20 minutes, but I got the ticket and I got in. What you get scanned in, they let you in to a little queue there next to the uh, Hollywood Boulevard of the Stars back area. And then at 6 o'clock, when they let the general public in, you get to go in as well. Now, with an RIP tour, they have a check-in time for you to check in the copy of the Bomba. Usually, I've gotten check-in times about 7 p.m. This time, I actually had a 6.30 check-in, so that gave me less time to play around on the streets. So once the gate dropped, I headed to uh, Avenue of the Stars to check out the 30 Years, 30 Fear Scare Zone, which originally we all thought was going to be an Icon Scare Zone. That turned out not to be true. Uh, the Scare Zone looked like a broken-down castle. It had like halfway built old crumbling pillars on the side. And it had a lot of ladies in dresses with masquerade matches, masks, excuse me, and candelabras dancing around. It looked cool, but it really, I didn't see how it had anything to do with Horror Nights history. There were some big banners of all the uh, icons' faces on there, similar to the banners I was talking about at the uh, Horror Icons bar. But there wasn't anything to do with the icons there at all. So that scare zone was a little disappointing. Immediately from there, I took a right by Transformers to check out the uh, <clears throat> Gorewood Forest, which was the Terra Quintus uh, scare zone. This is about 6.15ish, and it started raining like crazy. The bottom dropped out so bad <clears throat> that they rushed off all the scare actors and took them somewhere private so their costumes wouldn't get uh, ruined. <clears throat> so there I am, 6.15. Can't get into Copy of the Bomb until 6.30. The bottom has fallen out. Thankfully, in the Hollywood Boulevard area, there's a lot of like marquees and uh, <clears throat> overhangs. So I stayed in one of those for about 15-20 minutes before my time to check into Copy of the Bomb for my tour. Yeah, I hid there to about 
627, 628, and I walked like the, the little area from the horror makeup show to right there, La Bamba checked in. Now, usually when you check into the RIP, uh, there's a lot of finger foods like, you know, mac, fried mac and cheese, little quiches and stuff like that. This year they did up the food. Uh, it was a lot of like hamburger sliders, vegan sliders, a spicy chicken slider, a flatbread that had brisket on it, I believe, a lot of salad options. Although this year it was hard to find drinks. Usually they have like infused waters, diet cokes, teas, and waters. This year they only had water and it was hidden in the back near the exit by the uh, the curtains. But the good thing is though, um, before my tour at 7 o'clock started, the rain stopped, thank goodness. So if you haven't taken an RIP tour before, I do recommend them. I've taken them since HHN 26. Uh, there's two types, the non-private that I usually take. Uh, in that case, it's a structured tour. So you have a tour guide. They already have a planned out map where they're going for the houses. You get to see the houses one time. And it usually gives you uh, VIP seating for whatever show they have in the Fear Factor stage. Uh, there is a thing called a private tour that is very expensive, but uh, you get to basically have your run of the land. You can see the houses as many times as you want. You can do all the rides as you want. Or you just go to the shows. You are in charge of that tour. But I believe that tour costs like $3,000 so. I haven't gone on it, and it'll probably be a while before I do. So, I usually do the uh, non-private. That one, prices usually range from 250 to 275 for that, but you also have to buy the event ticket, so it ends up being like 350 bucks. But uh, you get more bang for your buck, and you guarantee to do everything that night that you want to. At 7 o'clock, the tour guide introduced himself, and we all gathered together and went to the horror makeup show to uh, make sure the rain was done. There was about 12 of us in this group. But the tour guide introduced himself and he laid out the plan he had. Uh, it was a pretty good plan. And the most important thing was we were going to go to the three tent houses first. Because they had a tendency to flood if the rain was bad. So the first house we went into was called Puppet Theater Captive Audience. Now this was a really cool house. Uh, it had an incredible facade. They built what looked like an outside of an actual theater. The theater is supposed to be called the Grand Door Theater. And the way the story goes is, uh, this is the last night of the Gorian Republic Ballet Company and the first night of the Pasek Puppet Puppetry um, Company. Well, before the show can start, it's 1906 San Francisco, and there's a massive earthquake. Uh, it completely destroys this theater and you can tell by the facade there's all these cracks and foundation issues all the pillars are crooked like this thing is barely um, holding itself together so that all these artists are actually trapped into this theater and you're visiting a, ne a year later but of course they've been trapped in there the whole time and they've gone crazy so now that anybody that comes in there they're tearing apart like limb by limb and then reconnecting these limbs to make puppets out of you Another nice touch about the facade, to the left of it, there's an antique uh, fire engine out there. So I don't know if the firemen are trying to rescue as well, or if you're even a part of the firemen in this storyline. But also on the wall, you see a writing that says, A.L. Kane and Company. That's a reference to the icon, the caretaker. But once you walk into the old broken down theater, you notice there's a hole in the wall with like chairs and skeletons. Uh, <clears throat> You go past the box office, and immediately you're in the green room. 
where the walls and the lights on the wall, the tiles, that you can tell that's where the artists would actually get ready for the performance. And the cool thing about it is they have it scented with like a baby powder and all the like hair stuff. So it smells like you're in a barbershop. As you walk through, you find out some of these mirrors aren't actually mirrors. And the puppet guys are jumping out at you, trying to scare you. Uh, their uniform, it's a long white uh, shirt with like khaki pants and like suspenders. And they have a uh, full white like porcelain mask to hide their face. Kind of reminds me of like the Phantom of the Opera look. Once you get out of the green room, you take a right and you're like, like this nice hall of pictures and all. And you notice these ballerinas dancing in the wall. But it looks like they've been eviscerated and their like intestines are hanging out. Once you get past them, you're in a fitting room and you notice this like lifeless body that they're reconstructing like making a mannequin out of. You go past that and you're in this area under the stage where there's an actor that he's like he's portraying like Hamlet and he's jumping at you making crazy noises and all. Uh, from there, you're like in the center of the theater and you see there's a body hanging from the actual upper banners. Behind that, you can then you go behind the scenes and you're in a fitting room with more ballerinas that have been like mutilated. Finally, once you walk out of the theater, the uh, guy that was on the table that they're putting together is now attacking you. So you got to get past him to get out of the house. The next house we went to is called Wicked Grove, Realm of the Pumpkin Lord. And this by far was the best house of the night. Uh, when you walk in, you notice there's this old uh, farmhouse with vines all around it. And there's like corn growing out in the field too that you walk through to get into the house. Once you enter the house, you notice on the wall it says, uh, Fear the Pumpkin Lord. You walk to the right, and you're inside this old broken down kitchen with the roof barely hanging on. You notice like the support beams is the only ceiling you see. The cabinets are halfway on, if even on at all, and there's vines all through the house. And actually, if you notice the house, first the vines start like really old and dry. But as you go on, they get thicker and thicker and more greener, as if you're going through like a pumpkin patch and the whole theme of this house is <clears throat> all like the legends of Halloween coming to life in the house so once you take that turn out of the kitchen you're like in this weird like stable like hall where like these zombie like corpses come out of nowhere and attack you uh, you immediately go into this red barn where there's more zombies as well then as you start going through the house uh, you're starting to get attacked by like these green looking like elves or orcs. That's about a room or two. But then finally you hit the center of the house and it's a witch's coven. And you see a witch uh, pushing a head down into her cauldron. If you look up closely on the top of her room, there's a little box. Uh, inside that box there's the furry little creatures from Midnight Snacks 2. And at the... Uh, back of the box you'll know like a bird cage with a baby in it that's the beast baby from also from a slaughter cinema once you get past these two witches in the cauldron you notice you're like inside of a pumpkin and it's like all the veiny membranes of the pumpkin all orangey and like slimy and now the uh vines are really thick and green and they have a light going through my pulsating light that's like a light blue so it's a really cool effect so you go through this pumpkin for a little bit and as you turn the corner you see this huge giant pumpkin that has like these green moldy like spots growing on it 
until out of the center of this big, huge orange demon with all these welts on it gets out of it. And that's the pumpkin lord. This guy is massive. And in fact, <clears throat> it's like he's the center of the pumpkin because on the top of his head, he has these green horns that kind of remind you of the vine on the top of the pumpkin or like the stem. But yeah, this dude is massive and like very intimidating. <clears throat> very cool house. Much uh, a must see. And really, it's a repeat house. Do this house as many times as you can. Next, we went to the final tent house. And that's called Welcome to Scary Horror in the Heartland. This is the tent house right next to Men in Black. As you go to this house, the first thing you're going to notice is the, the facade. It's just huge, like, Welcome to Cary, Ohio sign that someone has taken uh, spray paint and put an S in front of Cary. So it makes it say scary. And on the bottom, it should say, you know, it's a good place to live in. But they've changed the living part to say it's a good place to die in. Uh, this is an anniversary theme house. So when you first walk into it, you're in an old um, an old house and you're being scared by the vampires from the hive. This goes on for a few minutes. Then next you're being haunted by corpses from the whynot.com house from the past. Next you enter a burned down schoolhouse, which is from uh, Sydney's house, the orphanage. So you see the burnt down schoolhouse. Uh, they've got a nice little fire effect on the wall. Like, there's, like, big old clump. And it's, like, you see, like, a still simmering smoke. Um, you see the chairs and all the students' desks in the classroom as well, including the chalkboard. Uh, you turn the corner from there, and you're on the set of H&R Blood and Guts. This is a TV show that's from Carrie as well. I believe the actual name of the show is H&R Blood and Guts Midnight Mayhem. And if you look carefully, there are several posters. So there's the first, with the, the show itself. Then there's one called... The seasonal movie is called Ho Ho Homicide, I guess with a scary Santa. Then you have the Feaster Bunny. And on the top, there's actually uh, tapes, too, that uh, were supposed to be the movies themselves. Then finally, uh, once you get past the set of H&R Blood and Guts, you walk into the butcher shop, meaty meats of the uh, Leave It to Cleaver house, where... Meaty Meats is like a cannibal kind of family that butchers people and sells them as meat to the people of Cary, Ohio. So this was a pretty good house. Um, not great because you have to really know your Halloween Horror Nights lore to know exactly everything about this house. But if you truly are a Horror Nights fan and know all the little details, especially about the backstory of Cary, Ohio, there's a lot to this house. And once you start noticing it, you're going to like this house, but it'll take probably a couple of viewings to notice all the little details. Once we got done with the scary house, we then went to the Lombardi uh, restaurant for a bar break. I tried the ghoul juice drink. It had mango rum with cherry, lime, and allspice. The other specialty drink offered was called the Poison Tea Party. It had iced tea with lemonade, rum punch with huckleberry and allspice. Uh, the ghoul juice was okay. It just basically tasted a lot like mango or like pineapple juice. Once we were done with the bar break, we went to check out the new uh, dance show called HHN Nightmare Fuel that's being held in what most people call the Fear Factor stage. Uh, this was an interesting dance show. Uh, a lot of pyro, people dancing in like sexy leather kind of outfits and all. 
uh, used some incredible magic tricks, but there's a lot of fire and uh, pyro. The story starts off with like you see this main actor saying he's having nightmares, so he gets into bed and pulls the sheets over. Once he flaps the sheets over, he disappears and his lady jumps out of nowhere. So that shows you just kind of, kind of the magic tricks they use. Uh, so then they do a dance number, and then the fire team that comes out and they do some crazy stuff like. Uh, this lady has a baton. She's swirling around with fire and lights both ends. There's two guys beside her that have like a chain mill with a ball on the end that are lit with fire. They're spinning around. Their body's not getting burnt or anything. Uh, they then have like this whole like chain mill thing they're going up and down over their bodies with that is incredible. Then the lady herself lights like a hula hoop and spins that around her waist. Uh, they head off stage and the dance team comes back. Uh... I guess the leader of the dance team, she's this woman that's very flexible. She goes to the center stage and does like these handstand moves while dancing and bending and all this crazy contortion stuff. Uh, they finish off their dance and the fire team comes back. Uh, the lady is now spinning like multiple like hula hoops around her in fire. These guys are spitting out fire and one even lights a cube on fire and bounces on his head and doesn't get burnt. It's a really cool show. Uh, definitely better than any of the dance shows I've seen there before. It's worth checking out. Once we were done there, we headed to the back to finish off the last two houses in the back area. The first one was the Haunting of Hill House. Uh, this house is held in the uh, parade building. And since Universal Monsters, every year they put this cool like vinyl facade on the outside. So this year it's the picture of the house, Hill House and the uh, bent neck lady on the outside of the walls. As you walk in, you see a sign that has Hill House sprayed out and in red says Hell House. You walk in and you notice the huge facade of the house. It looks identical to the house in the Netflix series. As you walk in, uh, look to the top, top right. There's a window and you can see Abigail and the mom, Carol, just sitting in the window just hidden there for you to see. Once you walk around the little path, you actually enter the house and you see the red door. Then you're walking down a, a hall with a series of doors, and out of nowhere, the uh, tall man jumps out at you. You turn the right, and you go down to the next hall, and there's flashes of light, and you see through the wall, and you see Nellie, where she hangs herself in the wall. And in the very end, there's a see-through opening of like the spiral stairwell that you see a little hologram of Nell dancing around, and then you see her drop from the top hanging. As you turn to the right to leave the room, the bit net lady jumps out at you for your first scare. From there, you're in the kitchen with the dumb waiter. You go through that room. You hear uh, the two kids talking. <clears throat> but from there, when you get out of that room, you're in the cellar and all the zombies are like attacking you from all around the corners. You take to the right and then you're in the uh, room of all the statues and all that get through there and you're in like this dark tunnel out of nowhere light flashes and then you see the bent neck lady above you you get past that you take a right and then it's another dark tunnel path you kind of like can't tell how big the room is it's very unnerving but you hear voices talking in the background then you walk through that and take a right and you see the red door again so now you know you're going to see everybody's nightmare the first thing you see is a little Abigail poisoned on the floor. Once you get past that room, you see a big spider less because I think that's Theo's fear. And on the way out, you see this pregnant woman with like her uh, stomach getting distorted 
That's the oldest brother's fear as well. From there, you take a right to get out of the house, and the tall man scares you one more time. Interesting fact, when you first see the tall man, it's an actor that's 6'9". The second time you see him in the house, he's apparently wearing a stints that make him a foot taller. So you see him at 7'9". But the final scare of him, he's like 8'9". Uh, this is a pretty good house. Unfortunately, we got rushed through it because it was a Friday. Very busy. So I missed a little bit of it. But uh, the detail in this house is incredible. So a lot of fans are really going to love this house. Then we went to the final uh, house in the back area. And this was Beetlejuice. This also is in the old uh, parade building. So they had one of those vinyl sightings. Uh, it's the same picture that's used online to market Beetlejuice house. It's Beetlejuice with like the circus hat and the rolled up arms and a sandworm on it. When you walk in, you immediately notice Beetlejuice is on a high stage talking to you, dancing, having fun. You walk up a series of inclines to go inside the room. Once you're past Beetlejuice, you're in one of the spinning vortexes. And the uh, vortex this time is white and uh, black stripes. So I'm guessing they're saying you're going inside of a sandworm to go to the afterworld. But once you get past the spinning vortex or in the um, afterlife, uh, you first see the the mate, well, the Maitland's uh, lawyer with the uh, sliced throat with the smoke coming out of it talking to you. And the mailman that's flattened tells you you have mail as well. Uh, you walk past them and you start seeing all the unique architecture from the movie, like the slanted top doors and the weird color scheme. You get past them and they set up a hall with like this infinite look of uh, stairs that continues to get smaller and smaller as it grows, but it gives it an affinity look. Once you get past there, you're in the Maitland's uh, attic and they have all the replica city. Like, down to the detail. It's, like, perfectly shot from that movie. And in the corner, there's a TV with Beetlejuice's uh, TV ad on it. I want to say when you turn the corner, Beetlejuice jumps out and he's dressed as the, the cabbie, like, you, when you first meet him. From there, you go, and then you're in Dante's Inferno, and Beetlejuice jumps out, and he has all, like, the horns sticking out of him. So he makes a quick little joke, and you go through Dante's Inferno. Uh, from there, you're in the waiting room with the guy with the chicken bone stuck in his neck. And you see the half of the the woman. And as you're walking out, you see her in the wall. She jumps out to you saying if she knew about the afterlife, she wouldn't have had her little accident. And she shows you her wrist. Uh, you turn right from there. And you go into the uh, the Dietz's house. Because you notice the funky like chair they have that looks like a hand that comes alive. When you get past that, you see Beetlejuice as a... Uh, Starker's act with a wound up hands and the, the spinning thing on his head. Although that, that uh, machine didn't actually work, so it didn't do anything. Walk a little bit further and you see Beetlejuice and uh, Delia getting ready to marry. And then from there, the Maitlands start showing up. You see a shadow when uh, Miss Maitland changes her or stretches her mouth out and all. And you see her two seconds later in her wedding dress with like the steel trap on her mouth trying to pull it off. And then you actually walk out of the house with Delia uh, surviving Beetlejuice and all. Then when you walk out, there's a huge uh, sandworm on top of the final door. And then that's the end of the house. From there, we headed to the New York area to do the uh, first four houses. But when we, well, while walking there, there was two scary zones we had to walk through. First was Crypt TV. 
which is like a small internet-based uh, horror show on YouTube. Uh, there was a like demon Santa with like an icicle nose. There was the Luxie, which was like a killer that was in this bush with a knife, and he had like a uh, <clears throat> straw mask over his face with like painted on narrow eyes and this weird grimace. Also on that stage, there was this family with this mask that reminded me of the strangers, and they were attacking somebody. Uh, from there, the next uh, was Itsy Bitsy Spider, and it was like this woman with like a spider face in a human body and then she had like extensions that made her look like she had eight legs and on her stage there was like a person in the cocoon like she had attacked them so it was kind of a cool uh, scare zone some really good pictures to, to take in the dark from there we went to new york and the scare zone was called seek and destroy and the story behind that is supposed to be like a uh, computer overlord has taken over and they're trying to make us people their slaves if we're not uh they tie us up to these machines and they use our blood for fuel. Uh, it was a lot of soldiers walking around in this white uniform with red insignia on the top. And they had helmets that were white and they had like a goldish uh, front on them. Yeah, the best I could describe those uniforms would be, think about like Cobra Commander from the old G.I. Joe cartoons. But instead of a blue outfit, it was white. Uh, some of these soldiers were on like cement blocks with... Uh, red lights flashing around on the top and I hear that's where sometimes during the night they put their victims on stage too to like imprisonate them uh, there's also a big stage towards the end of the scare zone that has a soldier and what they call the controller It's she's like a cyborg so you can see she's half woman half machine and she controls everybody if they don't obey her she makes them their, uh, their prisoners uh, from there we went on to uh the Bride of Frankenstein Lives house. This was a house I saw last year. It's an incredibly beautiful house. It basically takes off right where the original Bride of Frankenstein ends. You see the castle crumbling and the bride is trying to rescue Frankenstein. But now she's more interactive and she decides to bring him back by discovering the uh, secret for immortality. During her research, she realizes that the blood of Dracula and his brides could bring anybody back to life. So as you go through the house, you see the bride studying Frankenstein. She realizes this is about the blood of the vampires. She then uh, captures some of the brides of Frankenstein, and you see them captured. She draws blood from them, and she starts putting the blood back into Frankenstein and brings him back to life. Uh, it's a very cool house, very beautiful, and I definitely recommend checking it out. The next house we went into was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, they had a house in HH26 that was more like a sequel to the original film. This one, basically Universal now, is taking the original film, but uh, making it in their own image. So it's very similar to the original film, but with parts added to the by Universal. So when you first walk in, you're walking into the gas station and you notice the sign that says you know we slaughter barbecue and all that uh, but it's a really cool facade and it actually looks like an old building a gas station that you're about to walk into once you walk into it you're in the kitchen I guess where they make the barbecue uh, there's a smoker in the back so it's actually smoking some piece of meat and it just smells horrible and there's like meat grinders and you see like there's just body parts in there and they're grinding up and all you take a right and you know, you're like in a slaughterhouse. There's a huge pig laying on the ground, but the rest of the slaughterhouse is like all these like 
chopped off pig heads that are sitting in the uh, the slaughterhouse waiting to be ground up and made into food. Uh, you take a left from there, and you start entering the uh, Sawyer household. All creaky, like steps and all, all beat down this nasty house. Uh, once you're in the house, uh, first Leatherface does jump out for a couple rooms, but Chop Top is there as well, and he jumps out in the free rooms as well. Once you get past that first hallway, you notice the iconic uh, room with like the red in the background with all the animal heads on it. That Leatherface uh, in the movie jumps out to the guy and hits him in the head with a mallet. You go through there, and you're actually inside of that part of the kitchen now. Nubbins' dead body is in there, and he's the brother that gets killed in the first one, I guess. Uh, it smells horrible in here. Like, it smells like rotten flesh. Uh you see in the back there's like a person's skin just skinned on the wall, but they're all flat. And they're like pasted against the wall to dry out. I guess Leatherface is making another mask. You go through that, and then you're in Chop Top's room. So it's all psychedelic with posters and all. He jumps out laughing at you, scratching his head. From there, you are in their living room with all like the furniture made out of bones and skeletons. Kind of creepy, and Leatherface jumps out to you again. And on the way out, it's just like Leatherface jumping out of every room that you left and right. It's an okay house. I uh, would say it's the worst of the event, though. Because it's just like, eh, Leatherface, Leatherface. Uh, nothing you hadn't seen before. And it doesn't really follow the movie. It's universal, playing around with a theme. Once we were done with the Texas Chainsaw House, we uh, stopped for another uh, bar visit. And that was the bar right above Jimmy Fallon. Uh same thing, uh, didn't get anything this time, I just uh, relaxed on the couch because I didn't get a little bit tired. Uh, but once we got done with the bar, we went back downstairs and we checked out Tooth Fairy House. Uh, this is also one of the houses I saw last year. They didn't really change much, but it's still a pretty good house. It's very beautiful. Like You walk in and it has the banners that tell you the story, just very similar to Scary Tales. So it's about a young boy, James, and uh, he's lost a tooth. And the parents try to tell him, hey, put the um, tooth under the bed for the tooth fairy to come. Well, he's a spoiled little brat kid, and he doesn't want to listen to his families. So he doesn't, and that uh, makes the tooth fairies mad. So now the family has to play uh, the wrath of the tooth fairy. Uh, the cool thing about this house, it's like being inside a storybook. When you first enter the house, you see all these pop-up figures moving back and forth like a pop-up book. Like the kid in the bed. And I know where this demon pops up from the back all um, flat and like a, like I said, like a pop-up book. And then there's just weird quarter entrance, corner entrance that you walk through like you're entering the book. Once there, you see this little tooth fairy uh, pulling out all the teeth of his sister. And actually, as you go through the house, the tooth fairies are pulling out the teeth of all the family members. So you see on the next bed, the dad's laying in the bed. And he has no teeth at all. And this, like the mom jumps out from the side closet with like this mask that looks like an empty mouth. Uh, it's really interesting and crazy looking. Then from there, you walk into the house's foyer and the grandpa's hanging in there by like the nerves of his teeth from the ceiling. Uh, there's a lot of stained glass windows in this room. It's like a really looking fancy house. But eventually it goes on. Yeah, all the family's being tortured. But James himself still doesn't listen. And the two fairies actually capture him and turn him into a two fairy himself. Because at the end, you see him jump out and he looks like the, the fairies with that kind of like these weird, like demon little 
the eyes and long pony like elf pointy elf ears. Uh, but I said it's still a pretty good house and it's worth checking out. Uh, definitely creative and uh, very visual. Now the final uh, house in the front section was called HHN Icons Captured, and the story about this is if you weren't at HHN twenty, there was an icon called Fear. And you found out that he was actually the mastermind behind all the horror nights before. And he had used all the icons like Jack, the Usher, the Storyteller, uh, the Caretaker as his minions. And he had sent them upon the world to do exactly what he wanted to, to make horror nights like he wanted to. So now, this house is Fear's Lantern that he uses. And he's got all the icons captured in, the, captured in there. And they're basically fighting for power and control. As you walk into the house, the first facade, the facade is like the lantern itself. And on the right, you see these monitors that are like shown projecting flames and then the icon's likeness. So like Jack, Chance, Lady Luck, Usher, the Storyteller, all of them. And on the wall, there's these cutout squares with these totems, like knives. Well, the bottoms are like knives and the top are like the character's likeness themselves. So as you walk into this lantern, and it's more like a dingy kind of cave, you can see in quick glimpses of all the characters, like Chance will jump out, the caretaker jump out, Jack may jump out, or Lady Luck. Then as you turn the first corner, huge actor, Fear, it seems like he's 8 foot, 9 foot tall, swoops down on you to get a quick little scare. Then you go into the first room, and it was like Lady Luck's room. So you see a, uh, a body on a uh, roulette wheel spinning around and she jumps out at you. From there, you go to the director's area and there's a body being electrocuted in a tub like his famous ad. Uh, from there you go and you see his chair with tapes on it and all that. <clears throat> you take a right from there and if you look carefully, you see the usher, Julian, being uh, hung from the rafters of the theater, which is like part of his storyline. From there, you walk into the actual theater and you see the usher beating a, a mannequin or a customer at that point with a, a flashlight. And there's another dead body in the background. Uh, look carefully when you walk out of the room. They have all the Slaughter Cinema uh, posters on the wall as you walk out of the theater. And on the concession stand, there's a tape player. Uh, this is reference to the usher because when they announced him as an icon... They sent that tape player to the media. So that's a nice little touch as well. From there, you go into Shady Brook Asylum and you see the doors. There's actually a marker on the door for Eddie, like a uh, true icon he should have been. But you also see Chance's door as well. Once you enter Chance's door, you see Chance on the plexiglass, like smiling and banging on it. And Jack is above that on the other side, talking to you as well. <clears throat> From there, you walk out, and there's a throne. Uh, the whole gimmick of this house is, like, every 45 minutes, uh, or more importantly, the uh, <clears throat> icons are fighting for control. So when you walk out of the house, you see whatever icon has won on that throne. And apparently every 45 minutes of the walkout, it's changed. So they give you multiple viewing of this house. When I walked through it, Lady Luck had won. But I did later on... <clears throat> go back in and you look above the throne it's hard to see but in the stone is actually a picture of jack so i'm guessing the way they're saying jack will always be king 
But uh, I liked it. I have heard some people have given it some uh, hate online. But I had a really good run through it, and I thought this house was awesome. So that left the final house, the Legendary Truth uh, Case Files Unearthed. Uh, now, to get to that, we had to go through the 30 Years, 30 Fear uh, Scare Zone, which uh, the actors were finally back. Uh, wasn't much different. They had a couple actors looking like the uh, Headless Horseman on there. But uh, took a few pictures, but it's basically just a scare zone to take your selfies and photos for Instagram. Uh, but we got to the Secretary Shrek Theater for this new Legendary Truth house. Um, I hadn't really been a huge follower of the Legendary Truth floor, but I know the Horror Nights fans from past love this storyline. Uh, what is about 1921, a detective Boris Schuster apparently started a paranormal investigation group so in this house when you first walk in uh you're in 1991 and this gentleman is going through schuster's uh research to try to figure out what's going on as you walk through you'll notice on the wall they have the time and the year date so you start off you're in like a 1921 new york sewer and it looks beautiful uh and all of a sudden like these mothmen are jumping out at you you ended up going through there's even a part where you're in like the streets in New York and it looks identical and you enter like it's called the kitty cat club this room is incredible because there's like a full bar they built and you feel like you're in a bar there's even a stage with like a uh, an actress like she's singing she looks like the, the flapper look from the 1920s it's incredible look uh, once you walk out of there you see the detective Schuster kind of like shooting at something like he jumps out of nowhere then there's more of like these mothmen, these like Sasquatch looking guys. But at the end, you see that uh, whatever this guy was researching, he's released it on Earth. And the way the story goes is apparently when he did this research, he actually released Hell on Earth. And that was in 1991, the same year Fright Nights was created. So basically, they're saying this guy used Schuster's research to create Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, it's an interesting house. It's definitely beautiful. Uh, it wasn't scary, but it was kind of cool. It's more like a film noir style. So it was like a murder mystery kind of solve it kind of thing. Um, I'd have to go again to see if I appreciated it more, but it's definitely a beautiful house. So after Legendary Truth, we were done with our 10 houses, and it was about 11.50, maybe 12 o'clock at the latest, and the park was open to 2 a.m., and I knew at 12.15 they had the water show going on. So I immediately went to Hollywood to check out the lights, camera, action, the Eddie scare zone that I missed during the rain. Uh, this was a cool scare zone. It had a lot of nods to uh, famous scare zones of the past. So like on the first one you see like the, the swamp men from Dead Man's Wharf. So they're in their little rain suits and like they have like moldy like fish faces and all that they had the ice cream man with the body parts from vamp uh, 55 and a couple of the vampires walking around on the ground uh what else did they have they had tweaks and flukes it was like some comic book characters they looked like teletubbies to be honest with you and there was a big stage with eddie who had his you know plastic mask and his uh, chainsaw there driving up scaring the fans and they had a couple stilt walkers too like a uh I want to say a big skeleton. I don't think it was Bone, but it reminded me of the character Bone from uh, 1827. 
and there was a huge like bat creature on uh, Stilto's wall too that looked pretty cool. Uh, from there, I went and I checked out Gorewood again because they actually had actors there. Uh, didn't see much, but the Terra Quintus, that demon lady that returns every 15 minutes, was executing her minion because now apparently she's disappointed in your minions from not doing their job right. And as the story goes, all the sacrifices they have there, all the blood and bones actually go into the soil and create these new trees that are like part body parts and like bones and yeah it, it was interesting looking but it really wasn't scary from there at 12 12 15 i was able to see the uh the marathon of mayhem the water show which was really cool this time it's uh based off of jack uh when it starts off jack introduces you to this factory he's in and it's supposed to uh induce all these nightmares so first you see all the icons and then from once it's shown all the icons you start seeing parts from netflix's show hill house you're walking up the stairs you see the red door then it goes back and jack says he's gonna bring classic monsters to scare you now so you see frankenstein the bride of frankenstein the invisible man and then finally he does another spiel and the icons get another little thing. They show closer of a chance, more of the usher, more of the director. I, mean, I think even the storyteller, because now they show her morph like into a demon out of nowhere. And then finally, he brings back the classic monsters again. We see more of Frankenstein, more of the bride. Uh, it's only like a 14 minute long show, but it is still pretty cool because they use some really good music. Uh, definitely check it out if you got the time. All right, so now for my review of the event and the. Uh, Let's talk about the first thing, plexiglass. I know a lot of people online have been upset the fact that they're using plexiglass in the house this year. Um, or even the fact that these actors are wearing masks. Like, I mean, actual safety masks like, like we do when we go inside of any building. First of all, uh, I think that's kind of ridiculous that anybody's mad about that. Uh, it's keeping them safe and it's keeping us safe that we can have an event. And more importantly, that we can you know, be healthy. Uh, yes, the fact that they have those plastic strips, they do affect the scare somewhat. But uh, Halloween Horror Nights is such a high-level event, it really doesn't matter. Even a B-plus Halloween Horror Nights event is 20 times as better than an A-plus event anywhere else. This is the premier Halloween Horror Nights event anywhere. So, the plexiglass is needed is what I'm getting at, and you shouldn't complain about it. It's a necessary evil. But I will admit, it does affect the care somewhat. Overall, though, this is still a great event. It's still the best in the world. And yeah, I mean, I'll give it a B plus this year because it's not as scary. But it's still great. The Pumpkin um, Lord, or the Wicked Growth House, is incredible. I wish they bring the Pumpkin Lord back next year and make him an icon. That house is that incredible. Um, if you haven't been to Horror Nights before, I highly recommend uh, once you go to this event one time, you're hooked. I myself is the same way. I went one time for HHN25 just to see finally what it was like. I loved it, and I've been back every year since. If you can afford to take the RIP tour or the RIP tour, as they call it, I definitely recommend it. It gets you in and out of all the houses. You get in there before anybody else. Um, I mean, I did everything I wanted that night. I did all 10 houses, a show, two bar breaks. And I think even two bathroom breaks in five hours. Uh, once we were done, I had two hours of uh, free time to do anything I wanted in the park before it closed. 
and your RFIP tour also gives you one express ride on any of the rides in, in the park as well. And this year, the food was great too. So you get a little bit of food before you go, some free water, guided tour, head of the head of everything. I just think it's the way to go. I know there's people that do it other ways, but that's that's the way I do horror nights. And I had, think I had the perfect night. I did everything I wanted. Both shows, all the houses. So I highly recommend the event. Also this year, I did something new. I went and took the Behind the Screams tour the next day. Uh, this was really cool. Uh, about 72 hours before the tour, you get an email letting you know that uh, what houses you'll be seeing. <clears throat> you can choose from a three-house tour, but I chose the six-house tour. And what you do is the morning of, they give you a time to check into Stage 19. That used to be the Blue Man Theater um, studio. Uh, but yeah, you check in. They they send you in a little room. They give you a little card if you want to order uh, lunch that day. And then you meet your guide and you head off on a six-hour tour. Uh, this tour was really good. Um, we spent about an hour in each house breaking down room by room. Uh, you're able to take some pictures. There are some rooms that you cannot take pictures because I guess they want to keep things industries uh, safe, uh, secret safe. And they want people not to know all the surprises. That way you come back on more tours. That's just good business logic. Now, you don't get to choose the six houses, but they choose them for you. And this were the six that were chosen for me. Puppet Theater, Captive Audience, Wicked Growth, Realm of the Pumpkin Lord, Welcome to Scary, Horror in the Heartland, Horror, <coughs> excuse me, Halloween Horror Night Icons Captured, The Haunting of Hill House, and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, one interesting fact to the tour guy, let us know. Every year they hide something in the house, or this year it was a butterfly. So we had to find the butterfly in each house, and was interesting because they hide them in random spots, like under puppet theater in that dark room where the actors uh, um, portraying uh, Hamlet. There's a jewelry box, and inside of it there was a butterfly. Or sometimes they're kind of easy to see because in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. In Chatop's room, there's a butterfly on one of his psychedelic posters, but also on the top of his um, record stacks is the band Iron Butterfly, and that's the record on his uh, radio player too, so it was like a double hit. Uh, this was a really cool tour. I highly recommend it, especially if you like to know the insights of how the event works and are like a trivia buff, because they break down a lot of trivia, all the hidden icons, and how, <clears throat> or more importantly, explain the inner workings of the event. I can't recommend it high enough. I definitely say if you can, check out Behind the Screams Tour as well. Uh, overall, the event, I'd give it a B plus because, you know, the limited scares, but it's still a great event. But I'd give the Behind the Screams uh, Tour an A plus. So that's my review of Halloween Horror Nights 30. Well, until next time, goodbye. <laughs>